Coming up this week, off-screen... John Wick, Parabellums... The litter gets picked... There's a breakthrough... Some tucking... And some birds of a passage... All those to come and more, off-screen. This is... This is Off-Screen. Off-Screen. latest film news and reviews this is off screen the movie marker radio show and podcast welcome off screen i'm van Gogh. i'm kelly needham welcome back ms needham always nice to nice to see you welcome you to your proverbial cinematic home thank you it's the last time kelly needham will be on this podcast so. it is be kelly colson next time yeah. Yeah. oh you'll be casey finally <laughs> so uh before we get to uh the reviews of everything else that's out this week that isn't john wick chapter three there's other things. Paramount. There are other things, apparently, so uh, we're obligated to review them. <laughs> sure. So uh, we should uh, we should uh, get a piece of film news to get us going, then. Something big, something mega, something kajunga. Something kajunga? I'm not sure I can deliver. I'll try. <laughs> what you got for me? Uh, Chris Rock. You know, that funny guy. He was. He... Wasn't he funny, like, 20 years ago? He was and... funny a while ago. He's, he's kind of disappeared a little bit, so he's um, dabbling in the horror world. Yeah, this seems to be a thing, isn't it, lately with uh, comedians? Yeah, what is that? Because Danny McBride did Halloween, yeah. didn't he? And uh, uh, Jordan Peele, obviously, you know, re- redefined horror. So... It's obviously all this, like, pent-up rage that they have from <laughs> having to be is, funny all the time. They're like, ah, kill some people! Every time you've heckled a stand-up comedian, <laughs> yeah. you've inadvertently contributed to a horror script <laughs> ten years down the line That's when exactly it all needs it. to come out. So he's going to reboot uh, Saw, is that right? That's right. Okay. He's going to reboot Saw. Just let that sink in. Chris yeah. Rock is going to reboot Saw. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, because apparently it's his story. Like He's come up with the... Uh, the, the I thought you meant like the story of his life there. Like, <laughs> no. I found myself in a trap. <laughs> apparently he's come up with uh, this idea. Right. Out of the blue. He's been a fan, apparently, since it came out. All right. Uh, he's followed the series. Now, to be fair, I, I have as well. It is something that I understand... The fan base for because there is I like something Saw. there is something darkly likable about it, isn't it? I there? mean, they all you know once you get to like Saw three, they all kind of mix together until oh totally uh, Jigsaw. Yeah, but... like I remember three when he had brain surgery, and after that they all blend together. You could tell me anything at this point, and yeah. I believe it. I no, I, I couldn't even tell you what the how the plot actually. Goes there was like that point. one where the baddie and the goodie looked exactly the same to me. Yeah, like, I, and one of them's the guy from Gilmore Girls. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And it, they were like, but they were both cops, but one was bad. And one was <laughs> and one, the other one was Costas Mandalore from Picket Fences. Is that who it is? That's who it was. was so crazy. yeah, so this is the weird thing though. This reboot that we're going to get of the Saw series, which we mm. kind of knew was coming on the back of Jigsaw anyway. Yeah. Like I thought Jigsaw was the reboot. Yeah, like, me too. Like that was the thing that was going to launch it in a different yeah. direction. Apparently, Chris Rock's come up with something better. So it's going to build off the back sure. of that, and he seems to know the franchise. So obviously, I'm, I'm assuming it'll still be canon. You know, uh, that's an idea because Danny McBride obviously kept Halloween yeah. in canon, obviously in an alternative canon. You know, sure. we, we raised two different reboots, but uh, that that needed to happen. <laughs> that did need to happen. Uh, so yeah, and Darren uh, Darren Limbusman is uh, is directing. That's the weird thing because he's been involved with the series since day one. Like I back guess off of it's consistency. I don't know. Yeah. So sure. Saw, Saw's know. returning. I look forward to it, I guess. Great. Okay. Now, 
let that reboot of Final Destination finally happen. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, that, that's apparently happening. We're getting it? it, apparently. All right, I'm in for that one. Like, get those two franchises back. Every two years, they can split the Halloweens between them. Yeah. And that's how it works. Skip the one that was the car crash. That one was boring. Do the others. <laughs> that's the thing. Final Destination doesn't need, con- doesn't need continuity, does it? It just True. We'd watch just that movie. Yeah, just the, the concept. The concept's malleable enough. It can just be, you know, random chick or random teen uh, has vision. I'd like some investment in the characters, though. That would be nice. Yeah, but that's the challenge that of the individual of writer on each film, isn't it? <laughs> that's, uh, that's down to the screenwriters. That's, yeah, true. Uh, that's, All right. You, know, you have to find one. talented people for that reason. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Jordan, the Jordan Peele produced Twilight Zone. Just, mwah, just Oh, amazing. it's brilliant. I've only watched two episodes so yeah. far. Uh, the Kamel Nanjiani. Oh, that's the yeah. one. And, then, and the, I'm Adam guessing Scott. the Adam Scott yeah. one, yeah. But I'm and, really uh, enjoying that. It's kind of like, I don't know. I never watched Twilight Zone, so I never yeah. saw that before, but it was it's very in your face. Yeah, more it is. Fa- I expected uh... it to be more subtle. <laughs> it used to be, actually. I think it did used to be a little less jagged on the edges, uh, a little less pointed and sharp. Uh, I but like I think it. that's the Jordan Peele influence. Yeah, probably. I, like I, it. I think that's what he's it's brought good. to it. Love it. The episode I'm watching at the moment, I was halfway through watching when I came here, uh, stars Jennifer Goodwin from. Uh, oh, she's just, yeah, she's just from not Once Upon a Time, um, and uh, he's just not into you or something. Oh, and, like that. and the series Ed. Oh, Wasn't she in the TV that. show Ed? I've no, no, no idea. The, the 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 reason we all love Tom Cavanaugh so much. Sure. But, okay. So, yes. I'm wow. just saying, Claire Dunphy had a life before uh, Modern Family. <laughs> I'll have you know, it was Boston Legal. Oh, gosh, yes, she was in Boston Legal. <laughs> anyway, uh, we should probably talk movies. So, uh, just for the record, there is an extended version of this show which includes more film news and reviews after the end credits and the moment mm-hmm. of gauge. Uh, you can find that on any podcast platform, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You'll pick your podcast. Spotify. Uh, Spotify, yes, I'm quite into Spotify at the moment. We're on there. So, uh, yeah, download off screen on there, extended podcast edition, and uh, get uh, more bang for the buck you didn't spend. And more Cause waffle. Because it's, it's free. More waffle. More <laughs> waffle. So, yeah, so the bang for your book is you didn't have to spend the book you get more content and waffles what's not to love what's not to love exactly <laughs> so uh first review of the week let's talk about is it breakthrough you it breakthrough is first? yeah tell me about this all right brace yourself for this all right okay. braced this is based on a true story okay oh, okay okay the poster for this i should just describe the poster for this yeah it is uh, a shot from under the water of an ice covered lake oh. there's been a, there has been a, a sort of fall through in the ice and we're uh-huh. watching a teenage boy struggling to reach the surface Ooh. under the water oh no i don't like that right okay and it's called breakthrough you think yeah. okay that's a bit on the nose like even if you don't know the plot that's, that's a little on the nose gives a little away yeah it has a certain nbc 7 p.m kind of feel to it <laughs> And uh, you see the film, you find out that it's a true story. It is based on uh, the case of an, uh, an adopted uh, teenage athlete who fell under the ice. He uh, was dead for 45 minutes and mm. then came back to life. Okay. As his mother was screaming to God, begging her to, you know, restore her son. I genuinely thought you were going to say he came back as his mother then. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't. What? Say, true story, not the Twilight Zone version. <laughs> and, uh, right, so it, this is regarded, because this is middle America, this is immediately just accepted as a miracle of the Lord. The mother, as it would happen, yes. the adopted mother, is played by uh, Chrissy Metz from This Is Us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she's, uh, she, this is her really swinging for it, to be fair. Okay. And, um, so say, she, she screams to God, she brings him back from the dead. 
she works in the local church community alongside the local pastor who's played by Topher Grace, who's one of those annoying mm. pastors who wears the uh, skinny jeans and the Lady Gaga headset head so cool. mic. Yeah, the one who just uh, wears the plaid shirts, rolls up the sleeves, sits down, and he just gets down with the congregation. <laughs> you know that guy? He understands the people. He gets Christian rock bands in to perform. Oh, no. You know, like, proto-Creed. I bet he's amazing in this. Now, the weird part is he's not likeable enough to pull it off, but I'm getting ahead oh. of myself. Right. <clears throat> so, this miracle happens, kid comes back to life, and uh, the story, rather than following the kid in any way, mm. follows the lives of just a series of ensemble characters, just random characters, right. whose lives intersect with this boy, who, or they may be involved with the rescue effort, okay? Here's a clip. See you mind, Chief. Guys think that... Uh... Maybe you're still a little shook up about what happened to the boy. I know what I heard. I believe you. A few feet over. That lake is like 25 feet deep or more, right? Yeah. To find him like we did? That fast? Million to one. Best case. Well, the way I figure it, it's either one of two things. Either I'm nuts... Or God's talking to you. Ugh. I know, right? What the hell was that? Oh, it's and that's Luke Cage, man. That's what are you Mike doing, Coulter. Luke Cage? So, right, this is not quite as phoned in as your average pure flicks film. If you're going on the Christian movie spectrum, this is not quite as bad as one of the pure flicks ones, you know, like God's Not Dead mm. Two, starring Melissa Joan Hart. Or, uh, <laughs> You know, that one that was like Finding Christ, that one where he proved that Christ existed or something like the journalist. Oh, stop it, honestly. Yeah, those kind of... This is not as bad as those. Are you sure? This is about on par with the Jennifer Garner one, Miracles from Heaven. Oh, fortunately, I never saw that one. Did you never see that one? Oh, just consider yourself blessed that you never saw it. (laughs) Nah. Pun intended. <laughs> exactly. You, you, you have been anointed. You've been spared it. Um, so, uh, and also, it's less nauseating than Soul Surfer was. So there's that. Oh, God, I forgot that even existed. Yeah, remember Soul Surfer, the Christian movie that Dennis Quaid turned down G.I. Joe 2 for? That one, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Topher Grace is not somehow against the odds. He's not quite likeable to pull, oh, likeable enough to pull off what's clearly intended to be the easiest audience access kind of character. And the, yeah. audience, the audience latch on point. And so is either the kind of consistent point apart from the drowned boy? <laughs> no, not really. No, huh. the mum tends to be. So Chrissy mm-hmm. Metz does. Now I say, she's really swinging for it. And hats off to her. She's got the chops. Like I have, I've seen bits of, of This Is Us she's here and there. She's good in it. And that's what I mean. She's very good in it. I watched mm-hmm. the pilot and I thought she was really, really great in it. She's heartbreaking um, in it, I would say. That's it, because she has a way of just abs- of absolutely cutting you down with yeah. a look. Uh, the material here, here just doesn't doesn't... Uh, just doesn't behoove her though. It, it, it doesn't. Well, the clip weren't selling it, you know. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, and that's what they'll do to Luke Cage. What will they do to the lady from This Is Us? Yeah. And, uh, and and poor Josh Lucas. Oh my God, poor Josh Lucas. Oh no. He just looks throughout this movie like he is embarrassed that he got up that morning. Well, I think okay. he probably was. Yeah, you, you sit through the film, though, as well, and you think, I can see why, because it's very televisual. A lot of it you just take in, you just go, save it for the Hallmark Channel sport. You know, it, it, it's really just TV, movie of the week kind of grade. You know, that stuff your mum watches on Channel 5 in the middle of the day. Yeah. Kind of thing. It, it, it's like that. Um, it's directed by Ro- Roxanne Dawson. 
Do I know that? Now, this is the weird thing. You actually will have encountered Roxanne Dawson in your viewing history, but not as a direct... Well, you may have encountered her as a director. She's done quite a few quite high-profile TV shows since. The idea is she was an actress in the 90s. Right. Who was in one of the Darkman sequels. She was in uh, Star Trek Voyager, most noticeably. She was in in nearly every single episode of Star Trek Voyager. She was the chief engineer. Oh. Uh, the Klingon lady, uh, Blanca Torres. Yeah. That's Roxanne Dawson. Now, Star Trek runs, ran, and it probably still does for all I know, uh, ran a program when it was running for any actors who wanted to learn how to direct. Yeah, you've told me this They would train before. them. Yeah, yeah, and they would train them over the course of numerous episodes and show them every aspect of it. That's how Roxanne McKee... Uh, Roxanne McKee? Ah, Very wish different Roxanne. it was Roxanne McKee. I, yeah, I, I just, I'm always thinking about Roxanne McKee on some <laughs> level. That's what it is. Um, so Roxanne Dawson uh, learnt to be a TV director be, literally because of Star Trek. Right. And evidently honed her craft. She's not the only one. Her on-screen love interest in Star Trek Voyager did the same thing. Yeah. So Tom Paris became a big TV director, quite a big name as well. One of directing episodes of Chuck, most noticeably. Yes. Right. And um, yeah, so this is her first feature film. Why she's done it, what I can't What a stinker. <laughs> it's capably directed, but it's a capably directed TV movie. And sure. you look at the material and you think, I can't quite tell why you, why any of you have, have seen this and I've seen this project and thought, that's it, that's the one. Do you think any of them were under the illusion that this would be like some great success? This like, this is going to get me the Oscar, this is going <laughs> to get me the, like... But you like to do hope, think? don't you? Wow. But, uh, and that's the sad part as well, because you know Chrissy Metz, like this will be, I think this actually is her first feature film. Yeah, quite possibly. Uh, and uh, you can just imagine, can't you, like when she, she got the script and thought, oh my God, they want me to lead a movie. Yeah. And I think, okay, yeah, yeah, I feel for you there. That's brilliant. Congratulations. I just wish it was a better movie. Wah, wah. Which is a shame because uh, she does seem genuinely likeable. Oh, but, bless her. But the film is absolutely terrible. It's a garbage fire. Do not watch it in any way, shape or form. It is it's five punctured carrier bags full of vomit. <laughs> Leaking their way across your kitchen floor as you you flee towards the the the, the, the French doors to try and get them in the bin. It's it's, it's exactly that. But you, you know you're always too That's slow. harrowing. You're always too slow, and there's just that there's that like God. spaghetti sauce paint no, trail of just it. vom. That is this film. So now, with the latest film news and reviews, this is off screen. The Movie Marker Radio Show and Podcast. And we're back, Ms. Needham. So, uh, to where shall we venture next? Let's, uh, let's talk about The Birds of Passage. The Birds of Passage. Yes, this is uh, quite a lengthy drama. This is the new Curzon film. Uh, and, I was going to say, it sounds really pretentious. Well, this is the, that's the thing, isn't it, though? Curzon movies always sound pretentious, but turn out to be actually really good. All right. It's, it's this weird, weird uh, inverse expectation, this subversion that comes with them. That was deep. But... Uh, what quite, quite. So this is a Colombian movie. So we're keeping with the the Curzon uh, aesthetic yeah, already. Of yeah, uh, a two a more than two hour Colombian movie. So we'll give you there for a while. This is broken down into chapters or cantos. Cantos. Yes, clearly defined chapters. It is the story of I think they're called the Wayu or Wayu. Um, there are people who live on the border between, I think, Guatemala and Colombia. Okay. They share the border. And it is the rise of a family through uh, the era of the early days of like, drug trafficking and things like that through the region. Yeah. We've not got a clip, obviously, because, uh, well, I think it would be a bit lost on us without the visual aesthetic. 
We need honest. the subtitles. We need them subtitles. That's what that is. We're not cultured. We don't speak the other languages. <laughs> we do not. I barely speak English. So um, <laughs> this is uh, written and directed by uh, Christina Gallego and Sarah Guerra. Uh, it looks the part. It looks gorgeous. Uh, the performances in it are terrific. Uh, mm-hmm. It plays as... It, do you know what the weird thing? This is a, such an obscure reference. I feel so bad making this reference. All right. It feels like the movie uh, that Vincent Chase thought he was making when he was filming Median. But I know oh, that man, is... that went so over my head. I know, I know. It's such a nerd reference. It's an I'm entourage just like, thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah, totally. Yep. But um, it has the, the feeling of something uh, deeper on the side of, like, Narcos. Mm-hmm. Like, sort of a bystander character story from Narcos that's been blown into a, a pretty damn good movie of its own. A canto fall chapter of... <laughs> sort of exactly. Passaging Built words. up of cantos. Um, but, yeah, it's... it's hey, I, I thought it was really, really gripping, actually. I thought it was a little bit overlong and some of the chapters didn't play quite as well as others. Um, I, I didn't particularly pick any standout performance in there because they all seemed pretty good actually it's about one family then yeah and it's just uh, like a godfather like type different yeah, like family a, members like a godfather type uh, oh, okay. type crime song yeah, not yeah. sure Why but not? yeah so Birds of Passage or uh, Payaros de Verano if you want its original well, title well if you'd have said that I'd have known exactly oh you would have known exactly what, what I was talking about yeah <laughs> <laughs> shall we have uh, a piece of film news for the, for uh, for your head then Which I we think have? you need to you know really sway the masses here and you know calm us all down what's going on with Daniel Craig because we've Craig. heard some bad things oh he got injured didn't he the guy's been hurt what are we going to do you know what? I, I feel bad. I feel bad for uh, particularly male actors now because, well, a year ago we had Mission Impossible Fallout. That's right. In which they literally left footage of Tom Cruise snapping his leg in a direction it's not meant to go and then getting up and walking it off. And they left that in the film. Yeah, it's not. Well, I didn't know. When I watched it, I didn't know that's what he'd done. Now mm. that I know. If I ever see that clip, I'm like, <laughs> I know, right? You you just can't unsee it once you once you spotted it, it. You can't. You can never unsee yeah. it after that. Well, the thing is, th- this is the problem with the action stars, like specifically male action stars, have now. Is uh, poor, poor has, has Tom Cruise set a bar now that they, uh, yeah, that these you pamper- keep going. Do these pampered millionaires now have to walk off actual snapped limbs? Yes, apparently they mm, do. Yeah, yeah, true. So what happened with Daniel Craig? Because I wasn't following the story of the actual initial injury. So what actually happened to him? Well, I don't know if he actually um, broke it, but again, it's his ankle. Mm. Uh, And it was something around when they were filming in Jamaica. He got some sort of injury. And, of course, production had to go to a halt because, you know, he's Bond and everything. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, it's kind of hard to do a Bond movie without Bond, isn't it? Exactly. So then, of course, there's the panic of Mm. how serious is it? Is he going to be able to get back to it? Do we need an ankle double? Do we? (laughs) Well, yeah, true. Well, the good news is, I mean, it's not its not going to affect the film. I mean, he's returning to... He, he'll have had less than a week off. They'll shut the movie down for less than a week. So, oh, so basically it's a glorified sprain. It, it sounds like a glorified sprain. Yeah. He, he twisted a sock, as my mum would say. <laughs> that what it is. <laughs> so don't worry, uh, Bond 25 is happening. We will oh, get... thank God. We will get an Egyptian Bond villain, which makes me very, very happy. Oh, yeah, it's Rami Malek, isn't it? Rami Malek, baby. Oh, actually, I do. I look forward to it more now. Yeah, I finally made my dad care about the Oscars this year by telling him we could have, you know, an Egyptian Best Actor winner. He's like, who? Can you do an impression of him? What was this? Who's the Egyptian? (laughs) Egyptian? Ryan Malik. I don't know this man. (laughs) Did he 
he's meant to personally know him. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how my dad sees him. He knows, he knows all famous Egyptians. I think that's how my dad sees him. Right, so uh, next review, what have we got this week? Um, I'm curious about this one. Tucked. Tucked. Actually, this is the weird thing. I, I've been looking forward to talking to you about this because, yeah. and your t-shirt. You're wearing a, a RuPaul Drag Race t-shirt. That's correct. So you're kind of perfect for this. So Tucked is the new film from uh, Jamie Patterson. Uh, written and directed by it is the story of the unlikely friendship that forms between an older terminally ill drag queen and Mm -hmm. a newcomer to the scene and it's Darren Nesbitt uh, from uh, Where Eagles Dare I think uh, plays plays the elder statesman and uh, I'm trying to remember Stevenson Jacob Stevenson I think plays uh, the younger the younger one Faith so it's Jackie the elder Faith the younger it is uh there's nothing really more complex to it than uh you know they they befriend each other and they start meddling in each other's lives in little Mm. ways as their friendship increases and they start to bond and you know start to see the world from each other's perspective so i've got a clip for you this is uh this is jackie whose surname by the way is collins (laughs) <laughs> this is yeah, I, know, right? I thought you'd like that it's because his name is Jack Collins yeah, well, and, he, sure. he, and he at night he is Jackie so he's Jackie Collins I that's the gag I see came yeah. up with his name yeah um, so <laughs> just a clever name just a very convenient name <laughs> this is a clip of uh, Jackie uh, laying down the law and explaining the rules of the drag club to Faith now listen <clears throat> a couple of rules you've uh, got to know first of all there's no the customers now. I know that sounds very obvious, but I mean, you've got no idea how you know it happens. So whatever you've got in your panties, you just keep it in there. All right. Mm-hmm. Secondly, all your tips are your own. We don't share here. Now, you know, generally the audience are pretty, you know, generous as long as you give them what they want. Well, within reason. Remember, what's the first rule? No the customers. Good, good. Now, third rule is. If anybody touches you, you know, inappropriately, you've got all the permission in the world to beat the living out of them. Fine. Everything makes sense with you? Mm-hmm. Good. But yeah, so I was laying down the law and... I'm uh, surprised it's British. I know, right? I, I, I really loved this movie. I uh, I didn't expect to. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I really didn't expect anything from it. I mm-hmm. just I literally had the poster to go on, and I mean, look at this poster. It, it's quite an abstract image, isn't it? It's quite a that that, that oh, could literally wow. that could represent any movie. That's quite horrifying. Kind of, kind of is. I mean, it's obviously been created on an iPhone app, but yeah. uh, you know, what I mean, it just you don't know quite what to expect just from that image. It's not Jackie a, Collins looks like uh, <laughs> what's the guy in Mrs. Doubtfire that plays his is it his brother? Harvey Fierstein. Bro- yes. Harvey Fierstein. Any closer? <laughs> That's the and one. Be mom. <laughs> yes. Right, uh, but no, I thought this was a really touching movie. It's quite rote. It, it's nothing you haven't seen before, mm-hmm. um, but it's uh, it, it's a movie that works entirely highly because of how much charm and likability it has. Yeah. And also, the script is quite sharp. Uh, Darren Nesbitt, as, as Jackie, as, as Jackie slash Jack, uh, plays it almost like uh, Dave Johns in I, Daniel Blake at uh-huh. times. Uh, he has those moments. It's just a terrific performance. Uh, Jordan Stevens, by the way, not Jacob Stevenson. Jordan Stevens, who plays Dave. Didn't, I, at first I thought, oh, this seems a bit out of place. I, he grew on me quite, quite, quite quickly. Uh, I started to like him quite a bit as well. Um, there's a good supporting cast. There is uh, a style to it that's like sort of the fading point of Britpop 
The sort of, oh, okay. As I call the Beetlebum era. The Beetlebum, nice. You know when they went to excess as the fire was dying? Mm. That point. Yeah. You generally regards like the six months before Diana died. Like yeah. th- those kind of points. Um, it has a lot of that going for it. And I really dug that about it. I thought it was really funny. I thought it was really moving. Um, I didn't look I didn't look I was transfixed on the movie the entire time I was watching nice. it I was just taking it in I thought it was a great time I love the chemistry between them I I just love that central performance from Darren Nesbitt uh, it's like, and I'm I'm not a fan of like RuPaul's Drag Race. I was going to say, and you're not necessarily the titled. I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily it's RuPaul Drag Race. But no, that's the thing. But... I mean, in terms of, I've never particularly been instinctively pulled into the uh, the fandom that seems yeah. to have sprung up in the last couple of years, particularly yeah. of uh, mainstream drag culture because it's huge now. Oh, it is. Like yeah. RuPaul, RuPaul's Drag Race, like required watching now, and and there's going to be a British version. I know. I. Heard... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. But uh, I say it's something that's lost on me, but I do understand the kind of appeal. Because so, it's awesome. Yeah, but uh, this obviously was just a movie that worked on its own grounds. Oh, nice. So I can only imagine if you have that as well, that's another level on top that you get to particularly enjoy. I will say Darren Nesbitt's uh, drag stand-up act is just on point. <laughs> that is second to none. So is so, this a good date movie then? Uh, I would, I would actually, I would say you could watch this as a date movie. It's an art housey okay. film, so you will have to go to your nearest kind of showroom or Curzon if you're in like Yorkshire. You know, just your local art house cinema. You know, so a bit more upscale, a little bit more. The, the the kind where you don't get Maltesers, but you do get gluten free sweets, and you can drink a beer in the screen, provided it's real ale. <laughs> One of those. So it's called <laughs> Tucked, and it is out this weekend. With the latest film news and reviews, this is off screen. The Movie Marker Radio Show and Podcast. And we're back, Ms. Needham. Shall we uh, venture to the uh, the top five for this week? Yeah, go on then. Number five. La Llorona. <laughs> so the curse of La Llorona, which is, uh, you know, the, the latest Conjuring spin-off. The secret one. Uh, you know, this was the stealth one. And believe me, that's the most interesting thing about it, no. that they did that. Uh, which, annoyingly, is something that no one's going to remember. I mean, does anyone remember now that life was briefly uh, peddled as a stealth Venom prequel? Yeah. yeah. Remember that? Remember that was a thing? You don't remember that now, do you? Mm, and that yeah. was the most remarkable thing about life. <laughs> <laughs> that will also be the most remarkable thing about uh, La Llorona, uh, which is just a garbage movie. I mean, it's got uh, it's, it's got Linda Cardellini as the lead, and she's great in it. She delivers the best performance of any lead in any in one of these spin-offs outside of the main Conjuring series. Um but even she can't save this. It is really phoned in. It is really ineffective. His attempts at jump scares are just actually kind of laughably pathetic. Oh, man. It doesn't manage even basic atmosphere. And I'm sorry, but The Nun, say what you will about The Nun, The Nun did atmosphere. I guess so. Yeah, I wasn't it, a big fan of that. Kind of, well, that's the one thing it had to deliver, though, wasn't it? It was ancient monastery and creepy-ass nun. It like, definitely did yeah. both of those. Atmosphere, you can do that with that, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, Curse La Llorona, though, uh, yeah, garbage Not fire. Not so much. Garbage fire. So has anyone, uh, has anyone tweeted us? Have they, uh, have they seen it? Have they shared my opinion? Have they massively de- disagreed with me? What do they think? Uh, so Annabelle's tweeted... Uh, Annabelle? Annabelle, I know! <laughs> At Pinchmane, um, and she says, The Curse of La Llorona was pretty good. Until that ending. I don't even remember what that ending was. Mm, I'm intrigued. Number four. Long shot. 
Now, we saw this together. We did. We did. So, um, I really liked Longshot. I, I liked it, too. It, yeah, I liked I think I liked it more as time went by, though, because at first, I think I was... I was you were definitely torn. on the fence at first. Mm. I was more of a fan when we uh, when we walked out. Yeah, it you was, just love you as Seth Rogen. Well, I do. You know, I do. <laughs> I think if you were to think about this film too much, yeah, it doesn't. You wouldn't well, like it. it. No, you just leave it as kind of like this funny uh, in the moment. And you know it's pretty good. Yeah, as a pretty much yeah, as a basic no frills little you know politically tinged rom com. Yeah. Fine, I enjoy it. They're likable enough. They're 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 quite an engaging couple. They've got good chemistry. Uh, I think uh, June Diane Rayfield I think was uh, a bit too on in this movie. Like I think she could have scaled it back just a little. But, I agree. Uh, but that, yeah, I thought it was really fun. And also O'Shea Jackson Jr. That guy's like a masterful sidekick. That's true. I There's a sequence him. in which he describes his office, in which uh, I've, I've never loved him more. I think he's got <laughs> immense current potential. Has anyone tweeted us about it? Um, yeah, so Beth Klingo, at Klingo Beth, see cool. what she did there, uh-huh. uh, says, at Longshot Movie, funniest film I've seen in a while. Crying laughing face. Number three. The Hustle. Which I haven't seen. Me neither. <laughs> okay, so we I can't... do want to. I, I, I do as well. I've I just have got... a feeling it's going to be... Absolute turd. Oh, I've heard. I've heard from uh, film critic friends of mine that it is decidedly not good. Yeah, but you know they're they're too not high good, for Nolan. Me. Not good. <laughs> uh, so, has anyone tweeted us about it? Have they seen it? They've seen it at least. So, yeah. yeah. So, at Karen Harris Mac One okay. sure, says, "Watch hashtag the hustle," and then they've got their own emoji. Okay. Excellent. Cool. Cool. Uh, last night. Good oh, motto. she means she watched it last night. Okay. Yeah. Check your grammar, Karen. Uh, at Anne Hathaway and at Rebel Wilson killed it so funny number two Avengers Endgame which I loved I know you loved oh Um, so good I mean the spoiler band's down but you know we're not really going to be we're not going to be nasty about it Thanos still demands our silence Thanos demands demands at least basic courtesy I think yes I agree But uh, but it's awesome. <laughs> it is. It's a great movie. I think its its level of characterization is genuinely impressive for the scale of action and set piece that it puts alongside it. I like the way the film is not so much a film with a three act structure so much as it is a performance piece of three single stories connected yeah. by a thread. Yeah, I guess and it I is. like that because they are different films entirely. Those yeah. three. And I love that. Don't get me wrong, I would have watched an entire two and a half hour movie of just the first third of this. Yes. Because I love the idea of an MCU version of The Leftovers. It was heartbreaking. Like, I want, like, like, I want to see you know. a Disney Plus series. I don't need any heroes in it. I just want to see like how the world reacted to that. You know, yeah, a world I imagine which... that'd be quite... You know, after yeah. a while, you you'd be like, oh, I can't handle another episode of that. Yeah, but wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't you want to live in a world where Jeremy Renner was like a masked serial killer? <laughs> no, who'd have thought? I mean, good for him. Yeah, good so, for Paul Rudd. Has oh, Paul Rudd? He gets a good a good time in this mm. one. Has anybody tweeted us about it? Uh, yep. So Uncle B Hawk. Okay. Him, uh, says tempted to see at Avengers Endgame one more time. Well, you and me both, buddy. You and me both. Number one. Pokemon Detective Pikachu, which I really enjoyed. Oh, I really want to see it. I think it. it's so good. Ugh. It is child-friendly Deadpool. That's really what it is. So basically, imagine Who Framed Roger Rabbit, mm-hmm. but Roger Rabbit is child-friendly Deadpool, who looks like Pikachu. And he's so cute. Okay, that's it. That's this movie. It's a lot of fun. 
absolutely go and see it. Don't worry about having to be a Pokemon fan, because I'm decidedly not a Pokemon fan, didn't know anything about Pokemon. You will just love it, and it, it tells you enough to get on with it and enjoy it, and it's a, it's a good time. It really is. Uh, you'll see it. You'll enjoy it. Of course I will. Let's not be silly. Yeah. So has anyone tweeted? Uh, yeah, I mean, strap in, because this one is a bit of a mouthful. Okay. Uh, so at Mystic Arcane says, Detective Pikachu was good. Excellent. I like someone who's succinct and to the point. <laughs> so can I give you the greatest piece of film news uh, of your lifetime? All right. Because I think they've made a movie concept that's just got Kelly Needham written all over it. All right. So, <laughs> okay. Joe and Anthony Russo, mm-hmm. who, of course, made a certain independent film recently, uh, the, Avenging the Ending of the Game. No, I never heard of it. Yeah. They are uh, they're going to produce a buddy cop action comedy. Okay. Um, which is going to star uh, Tiffany Haddish <gasps> and Chris Hemsworth. What? And... Uh, in this movie, Chris Hemsworth will play a detective who goes undercover to crack a series of baffling casino heists in which the prime suspects are a troupe of Australian male erotic dancers. Oh, my God. I'm yeah. so pleased right now. Come on. Imagine this movie. So it's miscongeniality, but Magic Mike. This is the Magic Mike we all wanted. That is, isn't it? <laughs> Mr. Mr. Congeniality. Oh, I'm just in on this. Is that what it's called? No. Oh, <laughs> oh no, you're going to love the title. All it's, right. It's called Down Undercover. Oh, my God. <laughs> so pleased. The greatest thing, isn't so it? So pleased right now. Just tell me it's soon. Uh, it, it is in active development, so it should be out within the next two or three years. Two or three? Two, I two, want it two, now. Two or three. It might be next year. We don't know. I need there's a clip not, immediately. There's not a release date yet. <laughs> Oh, God, imagine the Instagram videos when Chris Hemsworth starts training for that. I can't wait. <laughs> so, uh, can we do another quick review then? We've not, it's not a big movie, so we can't really t- say too much about it, but uh, Pick of the Litter yeah. is out intriguing, this Intriguing, intriguing. It right. sounds like dogs. It I'm is in. dogs. It is dogs. Right. And it is, uh, it is a litter. It, it, it is a documentary that chronicles the raising and training of one specific designated litter of a guide dog puppies. So they're going to be, they get raised, they get uh, adopted by families. And basically as they are raised, they are trained Mm -hmm. through a regimented program that takes, you know, months and years. There are stages to it. And if dogs don't pass certain stages, they're given, they're put back into training and then they're tried again. And if they don't, then... I was really scared of what you were going to say. No. And if (laughs) if they don't, they just get, uh, they get sort of put up for adoption as just regular old normal dogs and uh, it is about sort of the fates of these dogs where they wind up with who they wind up with but it's also as much about the families raising them Mm -hmm. and the the emotional bonds that the families form with these dogs who the guide dog service can phone them at a moment's notice and say right she's going into the breeding facility tomorrow so say goodbye to her thanks for the last eight months you know like that so are these not they're not the families that the dog will end up with no these are the families that oh, raise them no, to train them to be much. guide dogs <gasps> yeah we've not got a clip for it uh, it no, is it's quite, too much but it is quite cloy it's something kind of sugar coated kind of a Nat Geo documentary oh, okay. I'd say kind of like that yeah. has a certain iMovie-ish kind of look to it yeah. you know what I mean like an iMovie test reel um, it is very cute It is, and they do play the emotional heartstrings with some basic emotional manipulation with the dog do you know what I mean yes like emotional beats of you know having to take this dog off this family no and, yeah there's, it's too there's, much I burst into tears <laughs> of course you did no, no this is the thing I counted 
I burst into tears eight times in this. Eight times? Eight times. It is an hour and 20 minutes long. Oh, no. It I've is like no five hatchies. No. Imagine sitting through five no. hatchies no. in an hour and 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to definitely recommend this to my mum. I can never watch it when Lola is in the house, obviously. You know, she barked at other dogs on the TV. Um, and it, also you would smother her with your love. Uh, that, that's it. I, I did want to cuddle her the entire way through this movie. I felt very, I was very moved by it. But only on a very basic televisual documentary kind of a level. Yeah. But, you know, it did absolutely work for me. I did uh, I did suck for it because it was engaging. It was interesting. And I was I was invested in seeing where these puppies wind up. Who doesn't, who doesn't want to see cute puppies... You know, a monster wind up that's in there. Exactly. So that's Pick of the Litter out this week. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. Back for one last ride, Ms. Needham. So, uh, you know, I like to save the best for last. Sometimes. Well, okay, so I'm going to save you some, some suspense. Uh, I have saved the best for last. So, I am talking, of course, of John Wick, colon, chapter 3, dash, Parabellum. Parabellum? Otherwise known forevermore, I think, as just John Wick 3, because that's all it's ever getting called. What is a Parabellum? Uh, Parabellum is Latin. It means prepare for war. Mm. And it's interesting you ask that, because I did notice, I was was going over a roundabout earlier, I did notice on the side of a bus that was waiting Mm. on another junction, uh, that there was an advert that just said, John Wick, chapter 3. Prepare for war, as if it was the tagline. Ah. I thought, oh, that's kind of clever because it is also the subtitle. But yeah, okay. If so. you want to say that's clever, then good for you, Van. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's an entire marketing team that now speaks a word of Latin. Cool. Good for you guys. Yeah, Parabellum. Uh, so this is this takes place literally the second that John Wick two finished. Did you see John Wick chapter two? I did, but I, I, didn't, I can remember bits. Mm. Ruby Rose. I remember but bits. At the very end, John Wick killed the villain. You know, he killed the villain, but he had to do he it. Did. He did it out of rage on <gasps> continental grounds. Yes, the hallowed grounds of the assassin world. This hotel yes. around which this series increasingly seems to, seems to centre. The, the kind of sanctuary. Yeah, the sanctuary place. But there's no killing in the sanctuary. That's one mm. of the rules. Yeah. By violating that rule, John Wick has become excommunicado. His life is forfeit. He has murdered a member of the high table of the world of assassins. Basically, the government of assassins. Sure. And uh, as a result, $14 million is placed on his head. Every assassin in the world is now out to get John Wick. Weren't they anyway? They were for different reasons. But the whole thing was, before it was a smaller contract, it wasn't going to be everyone. Now it can be literally the entire world. And he doesn't have access to the armory or the doctor or, you know, any of the stuff that he had before. His, His underworld contacts are useless to him. Or are they? Because John, using the hour he has to spare, sets out on a new mission, which is to utilise the few remaining favours he can call in to basically climb his way up through the underworld to the high uh, master himself to basically try and buy his freedom. Now, we've got a clip. This is of John Wick asking one of these former allies, played by Halle Berry, to hook him up with her former employer. So another rung along the way. You do realize that I'm management now, right? I'm not service anymore, John, so I don't go around shooting people in the head. I'm not asking you to kill anyone. I just need you to get me to him. To who? Your old boss. 
You want to kill Barada? I'm not going to kill him. I just need to talk. What could he possibly give to you? Guidance. All right, Halle Berry, sounding hard. Well, she is a bit in this. You wouldn't think it. Halle Berry Sassy. actually kind of blew me away briefly in this. Um, she's got <laughs> you these. Wish. <laughs> she's got these badass uh, guard dogs like, that you've never done seen. Like they're they're incredible. I saw but, them in the trailer. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're her dogs. Yeah, they're specifically very her dog. And uh, if you're wondering, by the way, John Wick's dog is fine through oh, this. Gosh, he's absolutely fine. He's never in danger. He's fine. Okay, I, I think his name is still Dog at this stage. Well, that's you know yeah. irrelevant. But Halle Berry <laughs> uh, manages to keep up with Keanu Reeves. Now that is no mean feat. Like because the dude is still really in this. There's lots of amazing action beats in this, and watching Keanu Reeves power through them, and there are a lot of unbroken shots. Nice. You just think, I, I, I don't know what this guy's running on, but I want some. The intensity he brings to it is rivaled only by, I think, a really well-balanced level of nuance that he gives the performance. Because thought we, well. yeah, I know John Wick has always been kind of a blank canvas. Mm. This movie tries to give him some backstory, and actually Reeves does manage to sell it. I never cared about the character in the last movie, I didn't the first, but I didn't really care about him in John Wick too. His internal arcs about that didn't phase me at all. Yeah. I just I wasn't in it. We were in it for the action. That's yeah, you were in it for the action. Here they've done away with a bit of the mythology, largely by manifesting it in the form of a single person who is played by Asia Kate Dillon from Billions. Uh, they play uh, 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 Kate, uh, Taylor Mason in, in the villain, Pass. one of the current villains of Billions, Pass. a villain, a villain. But uh, yeah, oh, oh, and Jason Manzukas is in this, which is awesome. I love, Excellent. I love Zooks. He also gets to deliver a line. I think it's his first line in the film, which you just know is going to be quoted on episodes of How Did This Get Made forever. You also know that he's just insane as a person. Oh, clearly, yeah. He, like he never, he never he's the plays Brooklyn a character. character. Yeah, he is. He's the he doesn't Nine play Nine a character. Guy. He just plays yeah. himself. But yeah, totally. So yeah, Reeves great, Halle Berry great, nice. uh, Ian McShane a lot of fun as always. Lance Reddick still absolutely my boy. I love Lance Reddick so much. I'm all about Lance Reddick <laughs> and uh, 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 Asia Kate Dillon, but also Mark DeCascos. Who's that? As well, Mark DeCascos is an Asian American actor who has done so many of these action movies where he turns up as the kung fu villain. Oh. Think of things like Cradle to the Grave. And stuff. Must we? <laughs> yeah. And like Crying Freeman and things like that. He came sort of out of the mid 90s kind okay. of kind of wave. Uh, when it, the, the mid 90s, about that point that manga became a thing. Yeah. And uh, Hong Kong action started ramping up. Um, this, though, gorgeous to look at, as mm-hmm. these movies always are. They are. Really well realized, really well shot, really well You can well actually staged. see what's happening in these films. Yeah. We'll say this is the most gruesome of the three. They have. Ooh. noticeably crept this up there is a point in this movie in which John Wick kills a man with a book now I tell you that I tell you that with the full knowledge that that isn't even in the top 20 things you will remember about this movie when you come out of it the movie is 2 hours 10 minutes long there is no post credit sequence by the way so don't stick around and uh, 2 hours and 10 minutes after you sit down to watch this movie you come out there are 20 things you are going to remember about this movie before you remember that early on in the first 10 minutes you watched Keanu Reeves kill another human being with a book oh this sounds awesome 
It's brilliant. I loved it. I think it's better than two. I think it's a bigger, bolder movie than one. It doesn't it doesn't float my boat quite as much as one did. I think well, one is just surely it can't. That's an all timer. Uh, but I think it's an absolutely brilliant sequel. This is the perfect John Wick sequel. It is not quite as closed off a sort of trilogy closer as you'd think either by the way there's, there's so they're kind of leaving it open then they it, it, like i mean it's not part three of three it's just part three <sighs> there are a lot of doors left open within this world do you think they should be left open or are you kind of thinking this you know leave it well because they haven't talked about the tv series for a while they want to do oh, the no, continental do as a tv that. series and apparently ian mcshane and keanu reeves will turn up in it so oh, if that's no. where this is going, eh, we'll see. I'm not down with that. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I will say this, by the way, the production designers for this movie, uh, when they went to order the glass for the set, quite clearly got a bulk discount. <laughs> quite clearly. <laughs> two hours and ten minutes, and I think I literally saw 210 glass panes of glass have someone thrown through them. If there isn't but, a point uh, where two men are carrying a pane of glass between them and they run through them... There is a moment in this movie. There is a moment in this movie, and I thought of you. I thought if Kelly was here, she'd be laughing with me. And it's where Keanu Reeves just has a bunch of knives to throw, and he does it mercilessly, unbroken. Nice. And I just thought to myself, Keanu Reeves just played Hella. <laughs> it's just you know when you see Kate Blanchett doing it, yeah. and Keanu Reeves does it kind of the same. Maybe he was but, inspired. Uh, yeah, I absolutely loved it. I think it was an absolutely brilliant threequel. So that sounds good. Yeah, all out ride. Absolutely see it. It's great. Excellent. But, and hats off to Lance Reddick. Love seeing him in movies. I'll but, get a uh, room. So yeah, that is my film of the week. That is absolutely film of the week for me. I'm um, shocked by that. <laughs> no, imagine the odds that that would turn out to be the best movie of this week. Uh, next week, though, is a strong-ass week. It is. Oh, my God. Right. I want to point out, uh, next, right, next week we're going to review book, Booksmart, okay, which is Olivia Wilde's uh, directorial debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, starring uh, Beanie Feldstein, Jonah Hill's sister. Yes. And, uh, right, uh, which I I saw a couple of weeks ago and I've really been looking forward to talking about it. Uh, You'd enjoy it very much, by the way, because it literally is the the female version of of Superbad. Nice. But, uh, so, uh, we've got that. But that comes out on Monday the 27th, I think. Oh. Which is the bank holiday, isn't it? The yeah. bank holiday Monday? Yeah, right, so because of that, we'll just review it on next week's show. Because we're within the window and within the week of release window. We get told when we can and can't review films. All right, next week. Yeah, so we'll do it next week anyway. And we're going to do that. because you've got no other good films. Yeah, we'll do that because there's nothing else out. Yeah, (laughs) it's not like uh, like Rocket Man's out. What? Who? Rocket Man, yeah. Never heard of it. It's about that guy. Went to the moon. Apollo Creed. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> uh, we've got XY Chelsea next week. We've got the documentary John McEnroe in the realm of perfection, which you just know he titled himself. You know he himself came up with that title. Uh, I mean, it's not like Secret Life of Pets 2. Might be next week. No. Couldn't be that at all. No. Perish the thought. And it's not at all like there is a live action adaptation of my favourite <laughs> Disney movie next week. Oh, I'm so uh, excited. I can't wait. Oh, I can't it's wait. Be crap. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's enough we haven't seen that uh, it could surprise. Yeah, uh, well, you liked Beauty and the Beast more than me, so maybe. Well, that's were, true. But like, that's why I really got into it. But uh, <laughs> I'm doing this, uh, this. I think I'm doing like a weekend morning screen. I think it's Saturday morning. I'm seeing this. Uh, taking the nephew along to uh, to Leicester Square to watch uh, watch this one. Have um, we even said what it is? Aladdin. 
Aladdin. It is Aladdin. Mina Masood takes on uh, take takes on the. Uh, is it a waistcoat? Purple waistcoat. Yes, technically. Although he gets a shirt. Why does he What's get a shirt? What's that all about? I'll tell you. Do you know if Aladdin was a female... You fe- know what it is? It's because he's got nipples. Yeah, that's what it is. If Aladdin <laughs> were a female character, he'd be in a crop top. Oh, just an saying. open vest. <laughs> Which just be that's what it'd be. It would be uh, nipple tassels, effectively. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and also Mina Masood had nipple has nipples. Uh, Aladdin never did. He never did. Bless yeah. him. So, but uh, yeah. changed too much. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not my Aladdin. <laughs> but, uh, so we got all those to come and more next week off screen. In the meanwhile, this has been a candy store book from the movie market. I've been Van Connor. I've been La Yorona. And we shall. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more movie news, reviews and more, visit moviemarker.co.uk. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Podcast extras. Yes, tons of news to get through. Tons. Tons and tons. You're going to have to lead the way on this. I've I've got maybe like one thing that I can contribute. Okay, let's see. They finally have a release date for Jojo Rabbit. The Taika Waititi movie in which uh, he plays a young boy's imaginary friend who is also Adolf Hitler. I don't know how to react. This is a a comedy. I was literally speechless then. Like, this is not visual medium. Kelly say something. Scarlett Johansson stars in it as the boy single mum. All right, I'm up for that. So yeah, that that's that's happening. When are we Um, expecting that? That's just the kind of thing you hear about every day. Yeah. Uh, October 18th. Uh, I think that might just be American, but uh, yeah. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Um, in the meanwhile, the sequel to Den of Thieves. Do you remember Den of Thieves was barely out a week? It had made enough money internationally, and they thought, well, we're going to make a sequel. Didn't matter that it then obviously opened to really terrible reviews. It bombed. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was on Netflix in about a month. I feel, I feel like it went to Netflix before it even came out of the cinema. So that's how quick. I'll read you the actual blurb here. So obviously, Gerard Butler and uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. are coming back. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, as, as well. Um, hang on. So uh, Curtis uh, Fifty Cent Jackson, uh, he, he will return gross. as he's needed. Uh, Christian Gudegast, uh, the who directed, he, he's returning, and uh, <laughs> we have a title. Right, I'll just read the blurb. The follow-up, entitled Den of Thieves 2, colon, Pantera, sees Gerard Butler's... Sorry? (laughs) Parabellum. Parabellum, yeah, but Pantera, really. Uh, Sees Butler's big Nick Flanagan on the hunt for a group of sophisticated bank robbers on the streets of Europe. He's also getting closer to capturing Donnie, who has become caught up in the world of diamond thieves and the Panther Mafia. I love that it says on the streets of Europe. Like, that's just like like a city. (laughs) the streets of Europe. I think he was in London at the end of the first movie. I think we actually saw that he'd gone to London. He was still doing Diamond stuff. He was on the streets of Europe. So, uh, we talked about Chris Rock. That is the weirdest thing ever, isn't it? So strange. I mean, I'm up for it, but so strange. Bill Murray has said he's up for doing a cameo in Ghostbusters 3. His quote being, well, I did the reboot, didn't I? I just don't like... I know people didn't like the reboot that much, and I think I'm in the minority when I said I, I enjoyed it. Like, are we pretending it didn't exist now? Is that the is that the? Well, thing? It doesn't seem to be canon, does it? Like, I think that seems to be the idea that it's uh, it, it's not canon anymore. It, it its own thing. Okay. Yeah, we're ignoring it the way that the new Terminator movie is ignoring anything after Terminator Two. Quite rightly. Or the way that Halloween ignored everything except the original Halloween. Again, quite rightly. 
But yeah, but although, you know, I have a soft spot for... Uh, uh, wasn't Exhibit, was it? Buster Rhymes. Drop kicking Michael Myers down a flight of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot about that Did one. Did that happen? <laughs> Whilst, who was it? Watch Tyra Banks. Whilst Tyra Banks oh, looked on from the monitors. I was thinking Kelly Rowland, but she's in Freddy vs. Jason. Did, oh, I almost said Naomi Campbell. It's because Tyra Banks is so is, is in sort of fashion and modelling, yes. isn't she? And so is yeah, Tyra yeah, Banks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's why. Also, they were big around the same time, weren't they? When they were sort of late 90s. Oh, don't say that. Because they'll both beat you up. Oh, okay, fair Don't enough. Don't compare them. I know nothing. I know nothing of, yeah. Uh, so, um, Disney have uh, made a purchase that uh, doesn't have any immediate effect on us, but eventually mm-hmm. could could seriously affect the world. Have they now actually bought the world? Because that seems to be... It, it's on the cards. Uh, they have bought out. This was a deal that was in the work, I think about a week ago. It was rumoured that it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Case and I think spoke about it. And uh, it's now gone ahead. So Disney have made a deal with Comcast, which is effectively Universal, mm-hmm. to buy them out entirely of Hulu, the US catch-up service. That's which so weird. Mm, which includes content from so many different providers, including Universal, yeah, who have apparently no intention of removing their catch-up shows from there. However, Universal are, down the line, launching their own streaming platform. So we shall see. Okay. But uh, Disney now have a catch-up service to go with their... Uh, their streaming service. When is Disney Plus coming? End of this year. Ugh, it's I know, too I know. Long. I want my Loki series already, man. I just want my Disney fix every day. <laughs> every, every day. single day. Speaking of Disney, yeah. the only news I can contribute, and even that I don't know too much about. Go on. Um, but apparently they're going to make Cruella. Yeah, the you know, uh, uh, Emma Stone. Emma Thompson. Yeah, but Emma Stone is. What? Do you, hang on. Right, okay. Cruella is a prequel. It is set in 60s London. Yeah, I knew to, that bit. It is to be directed by Craig Gillespie, who did, uh, <clears throat> who did uh, I, Tonya and The Finest Hours. And the villain will be an older woman who is a lot more Cruella-like. Oh, I Who see. somehow makes our young, sexy Cruella into... Oh, so yeah. Emma Stone is Cruella Deville. Well, she's not called Cruella. She's called something else. Like that's a name she, she's going to adopt down the line or something. Oh, no. I don't, this yeah. is too much. Uh, but, yeah, there was a short list of, act- of actresses for the villain of this, and it was like Nicole Kidman. And I just like kind that. of accepted that Emma Thompson would be Cruella Deville, though, even though I knew it was going to be set earlier. Would like, be an amazing Cruella exactly. Deville. Exactly. Did you see her host Saturday Night Live last week? No. She did a really good job. But uh, she did this whole bit about being a mum. Like her whole her whole opening was a, a, did a musical number about mums and children, about mums and daughters, I think specifically. And she got Tina Fey and Amy Poehler to join her Excellent. as well. And the three of them did it all together. And it was really good. Oh, yeah. Sounds quite nice. But, quite pleasant, uh, really. Yeah, so uh, Emma Thompson will be joining Emma Stone. In Cruella. All the Emmas. Imagine if they just starred in the movie Emma together. That would be easier, wouldn't <laughs> it? That's too much. That's too much for me. <laughs> I think that would work. Should we stick with Disney a moment? And Disney Plus. Always. Right. So there is a project that mm-hmm. was intended for Disney Plus that has now been decided uh, to become a uh, an actual theatrical release. They've decided now, at this stage in its development, you know what? This is sounding pretty good. Mm-hmm. Let's take it theatrical. Incidentally, that happened with Toy Story 2, because the Toy Story sequels were meant to be directed DVD. Oh, were they? They were, yeah. Well, Toy Story 2, let's be fair, that probably should have been. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> Toy Story 2 is an amazing movie. It's not, it's the worst one. No, it is not. It's the worst one. How dare you? The Toy Story movies get better as they go on, so technically speaking, the first one is the worst one. Oh, 
wash your mouth out. <laughs> so anyway, movie that they decided was not worth just dumping to streaming but actually sticking in theatres mm. is going to be not a reboot but what's being called a legacy sequel. Oh. So think uh, the National Lampoon's Vacation reboot. Uh-huh. Kind of a legacy sequel. Or oh, tr- I see what or, you mean, yeah. cleverly enough, Tron Legacy would probably uh-huh. be a better example, wouldn't it? Where it's just the sun. The yeah, sun I don't of. want to talk about Tron Legacy. Mm. We'll stick with the vacation one. So this is going to star Josh Gad. Ooh. And this is going to be a legacy sequel to, is it a three-part film series that started life in 1989 under director Joe Johnston and set the bar for special effects when it was released. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, but I'm, I know I'm going to be really annoyed as soon as you say it. Honey, I shrunk the kids. <gasps> oh yep. my God! Josh Gad is going to be the grown-up version of The Sun. No way! Yeah. Of the one that blew up? Well, I don't know. He or could the be other the, one? Because yeah, he could be the other one very he easily. could be either, couldn't he? If the, if the if the youngest son, because bear in mind there are only two kids in the first movie, aren't there? There's two, yeah. There's the son and the daughter in the first one. It's revealed she's pregnant at the end of the first movie, and then she has the baby in the second movie. But then the daughter's not in the second one. It's just the oldest son and the little baby son. Little baby who then gets the who then becomes who then the kid who got blown gets up. Yeah, blown up. Yeah, not like literally blown up. He's no, but he became grows. giant. He's, yeah. he's big. Mm. He's a big big baby. He could be. So basically, no. I, I think he's too. Josh Gad he's could too be the young kid. to be the older kid. He must be the baby. Basically, is he the kid born in 1981 or 1989? Quite right. Yeah. Yeah. Question. So. Either way, I'm excited. Yeah. Especially nowadays. I mean, you get you get good effects on that. You give it sort of Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle like sensibility. Oh yeah. I'm in. But apparently, um, Josh Gad will just be taking on the dad role. He won't be in the sort of shrinking capacity. The actual plot, bearing in mind it's a legacy sequel, is going to basically revisit the plot of the first movie. Excellent. In which the teenage kids and the neighbours' teenage kids get accidentally shrunk and go on the, you know, the, the everything is big adventure. Oh, I need to watch that film now. <clears throat> yeah, I always, you know, I, I had such a crush on uh, Kerry Russell. Yeah, of course in, you did. In the second movie. In the second Wait. Right, Kerry Russell from The Americans and Felicity oh. is the love interest in the second movie. Oh man! Yeah, I need to watch that one too. Yeah, no. but uh, we'll we'll get them all watched. Wasn't there a third one? Wasn't there? Honey, we shrunk ourselves. Oh, that's now. It. Would you like to know something interesting about that third movie, all right. which was directed director video as well, by the way? Of course. Uh, I believe one of the teenage kids is played by Alison Mack. Oh, oh, yeah. Alison Mack, as oh, in sex man. cult leader, Alison oh, Mack. Eesh. Yeah, so uh, she literally headlined a Disney movie. Oh, man. That's something we all forget, isn't it? We do try. We do try. So, um, Shia LaBeouf is going to team up with Mel Gibson. Oh, my God. Yep. It's going to be a black comedy directed by John S. Baird. Now, John S. Baird, if you don't know, brought us Stan and Ollie and a movie I really like called Filth with James McAvoy. You know oh, the one? I never saw that one, but I did want to. Right. The movie is called Rothschild, okay. which has already got people kicking off on Twitter because it's a Jewish name, Rothschild. So Mel say, Gibson stars in Rothschild is... 
Yeah, it, it, it's raising some questions. Mm-hmm. So it is going to be a dark and comedic look at the super rich of New York. Mel Gibson's going to play the patriarch of a wealthy family. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Shia LaBeouf is going to be the uh, son of a former Rothschild family wife who eloped with a jazz musician. That sounds needlessly complex, doesn't it? I was going to say that is far too much. Yeah. But, uh, it sounds awful, whatever it is. It sounds horrific. It's being sold at Cannes, so uh, we'll see on that one. Very strange. My Menachem Golem used to fund his entire year off Cannes. You know, uh, it, I have this fascination with Cannon films. Mm-hmm. Right, have you seen the Cannon films documentary? No. Right, you've got to watch it. I'll, I'll hook it up for you. Uh, you've got to watch this documentary, okay. um, Electric Boogaloo. It's called Ooh. Canon Films. Do you know about Canon Films? No, not really. Canon Films sort of came up in the uh, the sixties, seventies, eighties kind of thing, and at one point they were just the go to film company for cheap exploitation B movie type things. Mm-hmm. They were they were doing mockbusters before mockbusters were a thing. Before Asylum, yeah, you know they would try and do sort of cheap knockoff equivalent movies, things yeah. like that. Uh, you know, like their version of Rocky was to just go and pay Sylvester Stallone an obscene amount of money to make over the top the arm wrestling truck driver movie ah. which is awesome and technically one of the best movies ever made so it's slightly more classy than Asylum <laughs> they, they, well they made they made Breaking and Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo so you know Excellent. they made uh, Superman 4 you know when they started getting really naff oh yeah yeah movies like that but Great movie, but he was he was the master of doing the Roger Corman thing of I'll just go and get as much money as I can, and mm-hmm. then you have to cut all corners possible and make this movie. And he would go to Cannes literally with a poster, and that's all he would have. He would have a poster with a star's name on it and a title that basically sold the pitch, and that's what he would do. And he would just wine and dine people. Sounds and like a genius. To, get them to invest in movies based solely on this poster. What would your poster be? What would my poster be? Yeah. Steven Seagal, the janitor. They took his daughter. Now he'll mop the floor with them. Oh, you came up with that so easily. It's my dream project. It's <laughs> my, that's my passion project. That's my white whale, Morty. That's, oh. my, that's my series art. That's my McNugget dipping sauce. Speaking of which, speaking mm. of which, incidentally, Rick and Morty, I know it's not technically film, but these days the lines are so blurred that I it's feel blurry. like I'm away with it. It's blurry. Right. Uh, Rick and Morty, season four. Is coming. It's this year. It's going to be in November. I can't wait. I've really missed it. I really have. And I watch Rick and Morty to death. It is something I can just put three episodes on back to back. Even though there's only 30 episodes of it. You know, I genuinely, I haven't watched it for ages because Mm. I'm trying to get to the point where when I rewatch it, I go, oh, I forgot about that. Mm. Oh, I forgot about that. That's where I'm trying to get to. There is a complexity to the writing that I think makes it very rewatchable. It um, does. Even something like the Me Seeks episode. Makes me feel stupid sometimes, too. <laughs> I don't know, that's the thing, isn't it? You go there, you go and you learn. Um, so, here's a weird one for you. Jermaine Clement. He is. Actually sounded like him as well, so I love the, the hipsterish picture that's come with this. Uh, he has been cast in the Avatar sequels. Oh. Yeah. He's going to play Dr. Garvin, a marine biologist stationed on Pandora. Now, bear in mind, we had already been told that uh, the ocean will become a big factor in these movies because, God forbid, James Cameron can open a mailbox without it being somehow (laughs) about a goddamn ocean. We get it, Jim. We get it. You think dry land sucks. We we get it. It's fine. If you want to go and build your, your, your ocean palace... 
floating Drax style, like from Spy Who Loved Me, go and do it. Just stop pretending to be a filmmaker about it. Nobody needs four Avatar sequels. Go get a room with the ocean already. <laughs> Just go and fuck the ocean, man. <laughs> well, that, I guess that'll be interesting. I mean, yeah. I, I, presumably that's a bit of a side character and not the main You would imagine, character. wouldn't you? Probably. I still want to know how Sigourney Weaver's apparently coming back into it. but <laughs> Anyway, so uh, Rami Malek... Mm, um, that, that unknown actor who rose to prominence in uh, ah, that, that movie about a guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to start with uh, Den- he's going to start alongside Denzel Washington in a movie. Denzel. Denzel. He's still going. Still going, man. And uh, it's it's a movie called Little Things. It's for Warner Brothers. And to be honest, when you get the words Warner Brothers and thriller in the same sentence, the '90s boy in me just perks right up. Yeah. Because that's when movies were movies. For me. Why don't they make those anymore? They do occasionally. I remember when... Uh, what was the Sandra Bullock PR thriller? Oh, I don't know. Called Our Brand is Crisis. Ooh. A couple of years ago with her and Billy Bob Thornton. And I remember watching that and thinking, it's weird that if this opened in 1997, it would probably have been number one at the box office that weekend. Whereas now it probably won't even make the top ten. It's a shame. So they are still making the films, it's just that we've moved on. <clears throat> we don't appreciate them. I'll tell you something about uh, a, 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 about a nineties Warner Brothers thriller in a minute as well. All once right. I've gotten through this, so this is uh, Little Things thriller starring Denzel and now Rami Malek. Uh, Rami Malek's going to play an astute young detective who teams up with a veteran uh, deputy sheriff on the hunt for a serial killer. Ooh, I'm in. I know, right? I'm totally in. Denzel and Rami Malek hunt a serial killer. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Take my money, man. It's like, Take my money. That's like Chris Hemsworth goes undercover with just point break with male strippers. <laughs> I can't wait for that. I mean, really. That, if they didn't pitch it like that, it's point break with male strippers and Chris Hemsworth. I like to imagine it's that guy going around Cam with a poster with Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> He's just literally photoshopped Chris Hemsworth into the Magic Mike poster. Yeah, exactly. With a gun. With a gun. Yeah, that's literally. And there's like Tiffany Haddish peering over his shoulder. <laughs> with a grapefruit. Yeah, something like that. She, she's holding like a cucumber and two lemons. <laughs> Wow, we just marketed that movie for them. You're welcome. You're welcome, chaps. <laughs> I assume, chaps, I don't want to assume that women came up with it because it seems too obvious. No, I, it's definitely a man thing, though. I feel like if that movie were written by, like, two gay male co-writers, it would be perfect. And we thank you. Yeah, that would be, we wouldn't it? <laughs> so tell me about the 90s thriller thing. 90s thriller thing, right. Uh-huh. So in the 90s, when they were, when Warner Brothers were making Outbreak, mm-hmm. they had a rival project. I think I've told Case this before. Uh, they had a rival project on the go uh-huh. at, I forget which studio, I think Columbia, off the top of my head, or maybe Fox, that was going to be directed by Ridley Scott called The Hot Zone, uh-huh. starring Robert Redford. And it was going to be like basically the same exact kind of a thing. Right, only theirs was based in things that had actually happened, Ooh. and then spun with some kind of fictional elements. Although Outbreak arguably has the same thing. Now that movie never happened; it died on the vine, and it sat on a shelf and it sat there for many years. Yeah. And Outbreak, when it got released, then turned up with a weird number of elements that seemed to ha- that seemed to have been added afterwards that had been lifted directly from the Hot Zone, <gasps> including the airborne bit. And where the movie where the movie theater gets infected, yeah, yeah, like that had come from the hot zone, 
and it's always been a weird source of contention. But the Hot Zone is now happening. It is happening as a an event series on, I think, National Geographic of all things. What? And it's like next week. It's going to star uh, Noah Emmerich in the role that would have been played by Robert Redford. So a bit of a climb down, admittedly. And uh, <laughs> Juliana Margulies of is The that... Good Wife. Oh. Yes. So right, we're cool. finally going to see this thing brought to life. I can't wait. Well, yeah. 90s Van will be very pleased. 90s Van will be incredibly pleased. So um, this is the thing. A friend of mine went to see Avengers Endgame over there. Mm-hmm. She went to The View in Islington. Okay. Uh, right across from Angel Station. I've been there a few times. It's uh, generally very nice. All right. And uh, perfectly well run. And it's better than the view in Cambridge. Anyway, can't stand that view in Cambridge. Boo. Boo. Boo to the view in Cambridge. Boo to the view. You suck. I'll find a better multiplex. Anyway, uh, I, I've, I've, I've beef with them. But uh, their, their, their automated ticket system is for nothing. Anyway, <laughs> a friend of mine goes to view in Islington to see Avengers Endgame. Bear mm. in mind, it's like mid-May. Is it yes. mid-May? It is mid-May, isn't it? Now, sixteenth, yeah. yeah. So it's like mid-May. So she's gone like this this previous weekend, middle of the month. Film's been out for what two, three weeks, something like that. Yeah, she somehow managed to avoid all spoilers before this. Oh, that's some good going. That's to be some fair. good going. Yeah, she gets in the cinema. Uh, Spider-Man trailer comes on. <gasps> yep. You're joking. Spider-Man trailer comes on before Endgame. That is almost as bad. In fact, it's probably just as bad mm. as when I went to see The Force Awakens. Yeah. And as I walked through the revolving doors at the front of SeaWorld, a group of teenage boys were walking out and said, <laughs> I can't believe Han Solo dies. What? Yep. You can oh. imagine the expletives that came out of my mouth. At yes, that exact I can imagine point, that. Directed right at them. John had to hold me back from going all the way round the revolving doors and back out again just so I could go after them. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I've, I've, I've seen how you deal with spoilers. I had someone sat next to us in Starbucks while we were waiting to see Rogue One. Now, I'd already seen it at a press show the night before, but I was kind of out with the family, kind mm-hmm. of thing to see. It was the, it was the family screening. Mm-hmm. And it also happened to be on, I think, the actual opening night. Mm-hmm. We sat in Starbucks. This guy next to us starts talking about uh, how great the reveal is at the end <gasps> of... And at that point, I, I had to lean over and shush them. It's like, no, stop. Right? I know what you're talking about, so it, I know people. to stop you. These oh. people do not have a clue. Shut up. It's like when John and I walked out of Endgame, we, we had to just kind of say, right, we just can't speak to each other. Until we get to our car, we cannot <laughs> speak to each other because I don't want to risk being that person that yeah. somebody else accidentally overhears as they go in. Just like, it's not that hard, people. Just shut up. I know, Just right? Just shut up. Uh, anyway. People suck. People suck. I don't, know if we, uh, I don't know if Casey and I talked about it last week, but Michael Rooker is going to be King Shark in uh, Suicide Squad. What is King Shark? A giant man shark. I'm imagining... Do you remember that cartoon series from when we were younger and it was like shark heads or something? Yeah, yeah no, no, literally like that. <laughs> literally like that. I, he's on the flash. Is he wearing a suit? He, he wears, like, trousers. Does he wear a suit with he's, just a little shark head He's got, like, top? Hulk trousers. <laughs> That's hilarious. But he's actually a recurring villain on the flash. That is hilarious. Because uh, they recently had this whole episode where they cured him and turned him back human for a bit and they chose to be Is it like that bit in Harry Potter when Victor Crumb has the shark head? Kind of like that. <laughs> Sounds excellent. Do you have a Storm Reed? 
No. Storm Reid was the girl from A Wrinkle in Time a couple of years ago. She flew on some asparagus. God, that film was awful. That film is terrible. Did we see that together? No. No, No, uh, you warned me against watching it, and I hmm. just had to go and watch it anyway, and you were right. Okay, fair enough then. So, um, Storm Reid has joined uh, the cast of The Invisible Man, which Lee Wanell's going to direct with uh, Elizabeth Moss in. Yes. And uh, meanwhile... I want to share with you some of my favourite casting news ever. All right. Do you know there is an animated animated theatrical Scooby-Doo movie coming up? Yes. Right. It's Zac Efron. Zac Efron, yeah. It's called Scoob. 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 It is uh, going to star Zac Efron, as you point out. He's he's voicing Fred, uh, Amanda Seyfried, Daphne, Gina mm-hmm. Rodriguez as Velma, mm-hmm. Will Forte, Shaggy, mm-hmm. Tracy Morgan as Captain Caveman. Oh, yeah, I remember Frank that. Welker, Scooby-Doo, because why not? Sure. D.D. Sykes as D.D. Sykes, apparently. And mm-hmm. Ken Jeong as Dino Mutt. However... There are two uh, new bits of casting. For this. Okay. <laughs> Wait for it. So, <clears throat> playing the role of Blue Falcon, mm-hmm. who exists in the Hanna Barbera sort of canon. Okay. Mark Wahlberg. Ooh. And and this is my favourite ever bit of casting. Mm-hmm. Dick Dastardly. <gasps> yeah, as in Dastardly and Mutley. Uh huh. Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs is voicing Dick Dastardly. That's amazing. Now, I can't wait. Like, Give me like Seth Rogen or Bill Hader as Muttley. Yes! And, and, and I'm in. <laughs> that is awesome. But oh, uh, yeah, so good. Scoob, that's uh, that's coming out May next May I'm March, good that it's May animated. Yeah, I like that it's animated. No, no, no I like I'm that it's gutted. animated. I, I would have preferred another live action. Like, I don't know. I would. Gone for it. I would like it if they did. A live action, but Scooby was actually 2D animated. Agreed. That is something I always wondered why they didn't do it. That Agreed. Wouldn't, that wouldn't have dated quite like the CG model did. Totally agree. Yeah. But I do love that first Scooby-Doo movie. It's just when Freddie Prince Jr. is doing the, What up, dog? When he's doing that bit, it's just amazing. <laughs> oh, man. That is like my favourite point in human history was the Sugar Ray era. But Stop it. Hold my, hold my Oakley's bra. Oh, you know, it's just it. like that point. You know, Robot Chicken was, was upon us and... You could still get away with acceptably being a fan of Limp Biscuit and New Metal. No one was ever accepting of people being a Limp Biscuit fan. <laughs> I don't know. For about a year, you could pull, you could pull it off. Right, obvious movie pitch: the Fire Festival. <gasps> I mean, we all knew it had to happen sooner or later. There was not one, but two incredibly popular documentaries about it. Yes, one that I preferred over the other, but regardless, which did you prefer? I preferred the Netflix one. You preferred the Netflix one. I did as well. I thought it was more cinematic. Yeah. Uh, but the other one had Billy McFarlane. It did. So, yeah. All right, so... Um, <laughs> right. I prefer when he w- he wasn't a real person. Well, there is that. So we are getting a narrative film, though. It had it. to happen, to we be are. fair. What a story. This is uh, the most intriguing part to me, though. Um, the director of Three Identical Strangers, Tim Waddle, is going to uh, put this Very together. Very interesting. Which I'm incredibly intrigued by because yeah. I thought Three Identical Strangers was a tremendous film. One of the best movies of the last year. Really good. John particularly loved it. Oh, did he actually see it? He's never told me. Yeah, yeah. He really loved it. I liked it. He loved it. Yeah, it was. I just thought it was a really good story. And Very it was well really done. well told. Very well and told. And I love that as you learn more about what happened, it just got creepier and more mysterious. It just got more and more batshit. It did, didn't it? <laughs> That's probably the best way to describe yeah. it, to be fair. It's just batshit, man. Go on then, casting decisions. Who who are you casting? I want, do you know what? I want Miles Teller as Billy McFarland. Ugh, he's right. hateable enough. 
and I want uh, ooh ooh. I feel like Jar Rule's actually stupid enough to play himself. <laughs> I, feel... I was thinking Tracy Morgan. <laughs> Tracy Morgan would be brilliant. Jar Rule, very different. I want to see Todd Phillips's version of this movie though. Like, I want the guy who made War Dogs to make the Fire Festival movie. Oh, I feel good. like the fact that the Three Identical Strangers guy is making it means we're going to get something like the Social Network that's actually proper and serious. Yeah. True. Despite the fact that you can so easily take the piss with this. But, I, yeah. Mm. That's a good point, actually. Do we want it to be like a straight-faced drama? Yeah. Or do we want this to be like, they know that it's ridiculous? Here's, here's a question for you. Right. The bit in the documentary in mm-hmm. which, I forget who the guy was, you know, the older gay the man. The older guy. You, the... know, you know the bit I'm going to say as well. Yeah, yeah, The bit yeah. where he says, like... The I, iconic I, bit. Yeah, I went over to his office prepared to suck his dick for the team. <laughs> So good. Right, you have to ask, like, how do you want that to play? Yeah. Like, how does that play? Do you play that as the selling of the soul, the low point I am? Yeah, like, is to... it like, this is how bad this thing has got? This is how Yeah, do you play it that way? Or do you play it with a hint of joviality, of yeah. the absurdity of the situation? That's the thing, isn't it? Oh, it's tough. It's really tough. I don't I feel like... You. I feel like you want to have fun watching this film. Mm. When it comes out, you want to have fun because it was such a clusterfuck. And it was it was these people with egos finally getting yeah. their just desserts. And, you know, yeah, a lot of people lost a lot of money and stuff. But you also kind of don't care because they're these rich kids that it's like, you shouldn't have been spending that much money yeah. going to a festival anyway. Yeah, who sees an Insta ad and drops that amount yeah. of cash? Like, oh, yeah, you know, it's just a quarter of a mil. Quarter of a mil to, to go and stay in this hut while we went to a festival. It like, was, it was you insane. kind of were like, I'm so pleased that this didn't turn out how you <laughs> wanted. And that's horrible, I know. It's, it's, it's purely out of I God. know, I know. But like you say, there's a certain sense of just desserts, isn't there? Exactly. So, uh, Chris Pine. You know, I know of, him. Of the Hollywood Chris's. Of, of one of the Chris's. Who, who is the best Chris at the moment, in your opinion? Who's, who's currently topping the, the, the Chris category for you? I, I tend to go up and down between Hemsworth and Pratt. Um, but it's Hemsworth, because Pratt is just too preachy sometimes. Yeah, you know what? I think mm. he overdoes it with the churchy bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like, okay, do we get it, you pray. Like, come yeah. On, come on, just let us do a Jurassic Park film. You know what I mean? Exactly. So Hemsworth, <laughs> Hemsworth's winning it. But uh, Pine, I have to say, is absolutely last always. Really? Oh, without fail. You think? Consistently. I feel like Chris Pine is best represented by his character from This Means War. Ooh, agreed. Yeah, I feel like that is everything about that character is the perfect description of Chris Pine as a personality, as as a Hollywood personality. Like that feels like it kind of is him. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Like, God, that film terrible. sucked. Not terrible. <laughs> I like This Means War. I like it too, but it sucks. Oh, it does suck. But you know what? I watch it on telly all the time. Oh my God, fucking Chelsea Handler, I hate you so much. <laughs> like, you are ruining this film. Everything about you is destroying this film. And it's Shut a terrible up. film. I know. But... There we go. But you're right, yeah, that is Chris Pine. And, and then anyway. the ending when she picks Chris Pine over Tom Hardy. <gasps> Spoilers, like, what? Oh, bitch, what is wrong with you? I know. But Anyway, yeah, what sorry. were you trying to tell me about him? Oh, yeah, Chris Pine. <laughs> has, uh, he's, got, he's got a role in a movie that's being described as a non-stop action thriller. Ooh. It's called Violence of Action. Oh, no, that is a terrible title. Oh, no, it's a really shit title, isn't it? That's so bad. 
weird. Not I can't really even. Un- I can't honestly. That is horrific. Oh, that's like your soldiers of vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fork oh. of metal. Oh, that is terrible. <laughs> Can of drink. He's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that kind of logic. Just feels like they were sat in the pitch meeting, and it was like untitled Chris Pine vehicle. And, and it was like just just throw out words. Come on, just throw out words now. And they literally, it was like you know, like fridge magnets. Yeah. Where they just put them all, oh, all the yeah. words Madlibs, and they were just yeah, yeah, just moving them around and like aha. I feel like you cards against humanity to this. Yes, that's exactly it. Do you remember when the Heat was officially referred to as Untitled Sandra Bullock Melissa McCarthy female buddy cop comedy? Yes, I do. Those were simpler times. They were. <laughs> I, I don't. I still don't understand why they changed the title. We got shit faced during that screening. The Heat is so good. I still think that's an awesome film. When we had that screening, it was a, an FDA press day. Hmm. And it was the last screening of the evening. And all of the sort of, I would say the younger, more hobby-based bloggers Mm -hmm. had sort of gone for the evening. Like They'd all gone out to get food. It'd been a long day for them. They weren't used to seeing multiple films back to back. And uh, they'd all gone off for the night and we watched The Heat. And they left the bar open for us. And every time someone got up to go back to the bar, people would just shout out drinks orders at them. And they'd just come back with a massive tray I feel like that was quite a good way to watch that film. Yeah, because the staff had all sort of left for but they'd left all, all the beers and everything oh, on the man, table for Oh, man, that's dangerous. With I you know. there. With me there, no. <laughs> but it was like me and Mosby and Tony Earnshaw. We were just coming back with like these big circular trays with like 15 beers on and handing them out. And, oh, it was a great. That was think. a great time. It was a terrific movie, though. It was a very good film. It was. It's a lot of fun. I love Bill Burr. In that movie, yes, is it Spielberg? Who else is among the brothers? Uh, the guy that's in Friends, Michael Rappaport. Yes, Michael Rappaport, one of them. Michael Rappaport. Oh god, Michael oh, Rappaport. Yes, and one of them is like Saturday Night Live, uh, Studio sixty kind of guy as well. The younger one. Uh, I, I know Taron Gillum. What was his name? He's one of the. I think he's in it as well. He's in it, but uh, he Taron just... Killam. He's one of the cops. Like, there's the other cops. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's the guy that's like albino. Yes, yes, Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I know guy. I love him so much. Yeah. But I just remember the scene when they're all all the brothers around the table. It's like you a yeah. knock? Are you? Uh, are, are you, you a knock? Are you not a, a knock? knock. <laughs> I think it went accent. <laughs> but Bill Burr, you know, he's just he's just so good. It's true. But, it's very uh, not quite as good as when he uh, what's the movie he gets he just gets into a fight at the end for no oh, reason oh it's the daddy's the, home daddy's home yes. daddy's home I was going to say stepdads that's not what it's called it's not, not stepdads <laughs> although it might as well be but yeah so Chris uh, Chris Pine's going to star in Violence of Action oh brilliant title no way Pine plays James Reed an involuntarily discharged former marine basically he joins a paramilitary organisation in order to support his family the only way he knows how here I go killing again so he goes to Poland apparently on a black ops mission gets betrayed, turned on and hunted gets betrayed but turned on by it <laughs> now betrayed. I'm interested gets betrayed. they sort of turn on him and yeah. Um, the director of the Niall Hilton incident which I reviewed about six months ago I think, which was actually pretty good uh, mm. Tariq Sala, he's going to direct uh, it's going to begin shooting this fall apparently. I look forward to not seeing that yeah, I mean, that title, that's... That's unforgivable, that title. That really is. <laughs> like, I really hope that's changing. It must. That's got to change. Surely. 
Did we talk about Bill and Ted yet? Should we, we close? We did. I was gonna do a nice little, like, cool, you know, really interesting and clever segue when you talk about John Wick. Of course, you but will, we ran yeah. out of time. So let's like insert here. Mm. Cool segue. <laughs> Go. <laughs> okay. uh, Bill and Ted. They went to uh, Cannes this week. The, the Bill did and they? Ted team. Uh, uh, you know, doing the the producers and everything, like doing the Malcolm Golem thing. They have the, the poster. They've got the poster, which basically they've just got an Insta video of like Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter in a hotel room on like Skype. It. You know, and uh, <laughs> they basically it mass they, they massively oversold the movie. Like people couldn't wait to invest in Bill and Ted. So Bill and Ted face the music is properly happening now. It's just insane. I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. I really can't. I really can't. I think the problem I have with these kinds of you know long term sequels mm. is it's very hard to recapture the tone. I totally agree. And presumably Bill and Ted are going to be like dads at this point. There's going to be some sort of like they were dads at the end of the last one. Were they? Mm. Well, it shows how much I know. Yeah, so they so they're going to be like the old guys in it, and there's going to be like young guys that are like Bill and Tedish, and then like yeah, I, I think doppelgangers and multiverse stuff is meant to be a part of this one. Okay. So obviously it went time travel in the first one, and it was afterlife and spirituality in the second one, yeah. and then it'll be multiverse and what what if in the third, mm. which obviously we're a lot more fluent in now, having sat through a recent tentpole blockbuster film. Nah. <laughs> nah. But uh, look, as long as we get another kiss belter out of it, you know, to the caliber of God gave rock and roll to you, <laughs> I can't possibly complain. I wouldn't hold your breath, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, no. <laughs> so, yeah, so Bill Ted face the music, that's probably going to come. But uh, that's it for me this week, then. Well, I didn't contribute much to the news, but I enjoyed it very much. As long as you had a good time, that's Thanks. what's important. That's right, the woman has to have a good time, Van. On which, no, here it is your moment of cage. To write about a flower. To dramatize a flower, I have to show the flower's arc, and the flower's arc stretches back to the beginning of life. How did this flower get here? What was its journey? <laughs>